With a professions-based focus, Thomas Jefferson University has never offered liberal arts majors like those found at other schools, but that doesn't mean humanities fell by the wayside. In fact, they are infused across all areas of study in innovative ways designed to create well-rounded professionals. This can be seen through the hallmarks requirements under the purview of the College of Humanities and Sciences, the Jeff M.D. program within Sidney Kimmel Medical College, as well as the humanities and health offerings for health sciences majors. Both were bolstered as Jefferson hated the words of employers who value the integration of these soft skills amid the focused training that our students get within the majors of their choice. While the 2017 merger between Jefferson and Philadelphia University certainly bolstered these varied offerings, the story and evolution of humanities education at Jefferson dates back as far as the middle of the last century. In this episode of the Nexus Podcast, we examine the history of humanities education and examine visions for the future, including exciting new advancements across the Jefferson community. We spoke with leadership and faculty members, alumni, and current students who discussed the positive impact that the Jefferson approach has had on their educational journeys while better preparing them for their professional lives. Any discussion of the university's future must start with its past, though. So let's start with a look at the roots of Jefferson's humanities education. Hi, my name is Barbara Kimmelman. I'm the Dean of the College of Humanities and Sciences. I'm an historian by training. I have an undergraduate degree in science, and then I went on to history of science in graduate school. So I feel as though I'm perhaps uniquely qualified to lead a College of Humanities and Sciences. Dean Kimmelman's path to her current role at the university started in 1989 when Jefferson's East Falls campus was known as the Philadelphia College of Textiles and Science. She taught courses on the histories of science and technology while also being part of a faculty group working to create a new general education program. It was called the College Studies Program back then. The explicit goal was to provide humanities training and liberal arts understanding skills and content explicitly for a professional university, which the Philadelphia College of Textiles and Science was back then as well, which is why in a way this merger with Thomas Jefferson University was such a good fit because professional university. Of course, Jefferson was dominated by health sciences. We had some health science programs here by the time of the merger. Not really when I started back in 1989 though, but gradually over the course of those 30 years or so, new programs in architecture, interior design, other kinds of design, new science programs and health programs were developed. A lot of very interesting stuff going on in terms of new majors and new opportunities for those of us in the general education program to provide innovative gen ed for this unique pre-professional population. Offering more context, Dean Kimmelman explains that much of the general education faculty is concentrated in her college because of a shift during the textile days. It was like, oh, we have to teach Gen Ed because now they wanted to give bachelor's degrees. And that's when I hired some people to teach writing and some to teach history and some to teach social science. That was the group I joined in 1989. So unlike Temple, unlike Penn State, we never had a department of English here. We never had a department of history here. We never had a department of sociology. I could go on and on. But we have 
a few writing professors, and we have an anthropologist, and we have a sociologist. We have a number of historians because we have to teach so many freshman history courses. We're just all, I'm hoping, a big happy family, and we've just all understood that's mostly our job, is teaching gen ed. Flash forward to the merger, deans in all of the colleges were encouraged to develop new and innovative programs, but one primary challenge still faced Kimmelman's. Like other programs at first, some of our other majors suffered a recognition problem. People think of Jefferson, they thought healthcare. So we have to work very hard to promote those things. Even before the merger, Thomas Jefferson University was interested in infusing humanities and liberal arts into the education of health professionals, I think in particular in the Sydney Kimmel Medical College. And that's where the Office of Humanities is located. Dean Kimmelman shares that the merger opened up a whole new world of cooperative approaches to expanding humanities offerings. Very early in the merger, they created committees. I was paired with Becky Finley, who's the Dean of the College of Pharmacy. And we had a little committee about humanities and the integration of humanities into Jefferson and Gen Ed. And that was a, a really good idea. We were able to meet one another and get to know one another very quickly. Dean Kimmelman discusses the evolution of the humanities program itself. Specifically, she discussed how the new Hallmarks program led by Professor Tom Schrand came to be. Faculty meetings which brought to mind design charrettes were scheduled at Canbar Performance Space to open the discussion to a wider audience. We had big round tables, faculty from all over the university were there. We got ideas for the Gen Ed program. What do you want your graduates to be like? What do you want them to know? One of the things we found is that a lot of the accrediting bodies had requirements that looked like what we were providing in Gen Ed. So that was very exciting to see all of that ratified. We're providing a general education for pre-professional students who we hope and believe are going to be leaders in their fields. And we believe that humanities education, liberal arts education, it's not just the skills, it's also the knowledge of the world, how it came to be the way it is. Conflicts in the world, problems, troubles, you're gonna to have to deal with those as a professional. You're gonna be trying to solve those problems. And we do provide disciplinary training through our courses, but they're multidisciplinary courses now, and we're less concerned that they know what a historian is and does, and much more that they're able to find historical material when they need it, understand how to use it, know what a primary source is in all of those fields, know those differences, and bring their experience, their knowledge, their skills together to solve problems in their fields. And we do understand too that they're going to be working in groups, working in teams. They need to understand how to work with people in other professions. So in our general education program, students from all the different majors are in those courses all mixed up together. And whenever they do a group project, whenever they do presentations, they're hearing from one another about other professions and issues and problems in other professions. They're learning what the differences are, and they're also learning what the common problems are and how to address them together. When it comes to infusing medical education with the humanities, Dean Kimmelman shares that SKMC already does a wonderful job producing well-rounded professionals and notes a distinct way that the combined approach helps. 
What they will learn from us is when they approach a patient who's an immigrant, a patient who is a different class or racial background from themselves, we're not teaching them what those people's emotional experience has been, but we can teach them the historical background, the social science, the reality of people's lives in the city. What has this person and their families and their ancestors, what have brought them to this now? Why is this person in this hospital bed? Why, when you walk through the hospital, more people who look like that than people who look like you? And what does that mean about health disparities? What we really want to do is break the mindset of, oh, we want to help these poor people. Yes, of course we do. But what we really want is understanding what our clients, what these professionals' clients are, what they need, how to recognize what they need, how to listen and communicate with people of different backgrounds. And I think that is truly what the liberal arts education's goal is. For undergraduates, that mission falls into the purview of the Hallmarks program. Its leaders graciously took some time to expound on Dean Kimmelman's words. My name is Tom Shand. I'm the Associate Dean for General Education and a Professor of History. And I'm Mariel Tulante, and I'm the Program Director of the Hallmarks Corps and I'm Associate Professor of Italian Studies. Shrand describes what the current program entails. The, the Hallmarks program is the name for our general education core curriculum. It applies to every major on campus. So all of our undergraduate you know, four-year degree programs or five-year degree programs have the Hallmarks core as a common element. We were able to build ours because of our, the unique nature of our institution. We built it from the ground up to address the needs of pre-professional students because we don't have liberal arts majors. We could build courses from scratch in a coherent way that prepare students for professional careers by giving them real understanding of global events and ethical issues and historical trends. I would assume that's unusual in academia. Usually universities adopt what's called a cafeteria system, where each department in a larger institution would have a series of general education offerings. And students could go through and decide which ones interest them, which ones they would like to take. But this doesn't always result in a coherent curriculum and a curriculum that's based over the four years of college study. So our curriculum is unique in that it is progressive, it builds on itself. Each course links to another course to make a coherent curriculum that is common to many students and not just a piecemeal choice throughout your university career. How did the merger impact Hallmarks? Part of the value proposition of the merger was we had that experience in traditional undergraduate education. We had the curriculum for that, which was something that wasn't fully developed in the Center City campus. So it's a perfect match in that regard. We were able to bring a lot to the table in terms of offering a structured general education curriculum for all these majors. Shrand and Talante were excited to share news that we'll see a forthcoming evolution thanks to a rather sizable influx of funding. We've recently got a grant from the Teagle Foundation in combination with the International Endowment of Humanities. This is a, a significant $250,000 grant called Cornerstones Learning for Living. There are certain elements of the grant which will bring the humanities into general education and also combine it with professional majors. The grant features two primary elements that will be instituted within the general education curriculum in the coming years. 
One is transformative texts. The idea here is that in first year, primarily first year courses, you adopt a deep and attentive study of texts and that students will be able to have an experience of reading and challenging important texts, understanding them and being able to have a sort of transformative experience through that deep study of texts. The other is pathways through the humanities that respond to curricular pathways that respond to students' majors. We're going to propose some new courses and change some courses so that we can provide pathways that students might be able to choose through their general education that will respond to their major fields of study. How much heavy lifting is involved in getting this up and running? Well, there's a certain amount of work that we need to do to transform one of our courses in the first year, which is Topics in American Studies, into this new course. And the faculty really needs to come together to think about what are what is a transformative text? What does that mean? What is the book that you read when you were 19 or 20 that had an effect on you and stayed with you throughout your life? What's a challenging intellectual experience at this point? How can that set you up for your university studies? How does that allow you to gain those analytical, critical reading tools that are so important? We've seen that with the initiative in the medical school that medical professions value study of the humanities because you don't want your doctor not to be a well-rounded person. You want your professionals also gain from a broad humanities-based view of the world. What is the timeline for all this happening? The grant has a two-year timeline. We were notified in May and we started work in June. So we've already had a three-day workshop with faculty on this new course in American Studies. We're going to call it American Visions. So we're going to roll out pilots of that in the fall and spring. By next fall, this gateway course that all incoming students take will be entirely transitioned to this text-based course. Ask if this represents quote-unquote academic startup funding. Talanti preferred to liken it to curricular startup funding. The challenge is establishing something with permanence. Getting a grant of this size is quite extraordinary. We're going to accomplish these curricular changes now and then they can endure after that. We can just keep them going. The, the hard work is in this two-year period. The really important part of this is it's funding faculty conversations about what do we teach, why do we teach it, or what's the importance of it. And just bringing people together over an extended period of time and having the resources to do that is an enormous opportunity. And it's very revitalizing for our faculty and it's a real input of fresh blood into our curriculum and into our culture about talking about our curriculum. Schrand and Tulante took a larger picture view in discussing the unique nature of Jefferson's humanities programs. This is a very distinctive curriculum that we have for general education, and there's not many like it across the country. This grant, I think, is a recognition of that. It's going to also take us to a, to a new level with it. It's exciting for, for Jefferson to be the home of a place where general education is woven into pre-professional studies in a rich way that I think really produces better graduates. And it's true that when we're thinking about general education, we do think about its professional context at this university. We're not trying to create esoteric courses that nobody is particularly interested in. We're trying to create general education courses for the professional. We want it to respond to challenges that professionals will have out there in their careers. What does ethical behavior look like for a professional in different contexts? How do you communicate? What does clear communication look like for a uh, professional in different career contexts? 
We also work with the career services as well, in, embedded in some of our courses, because we want our students to see that these transferable skills are skills that are echoed by our career services colleagues. The general education curriculum is not removed from the professional majors. It doesn't stand on its own. It was conceived as complementing and engaging with them. While Kimmelman, Schrand, and Tulante are the faces of humanities for undergraduates, humanities' infusion into health sciences has been an undertaking of its own, including the launch of the Jeff MD program six years ago. I'm Steve Heron. I'm a physician, a clinical hepatologist, but I also serve as the vice dean for undergraduate medical education here at Sydney Kimmel Medical College. My purview is oversight of the medical college, its curriculum, its assessment, its accreditation. Hey, I'm Megan Bowler. I'm director of humanities at Thomas Jefferson University. That's a, a position that focuses on managing, organizing, developing humanities and health programming. I do that at Sydney Kimmel Medical College and also develop interdisciplinary programs that are intended to be collaborative and engaging with partners across campus. The duo was asked about the Jeff MD program, specifically how it differentiates Jefferson and SKMC from other schools. Jeff MD is the student chosen name we gave to a, a major curricular change. We in the past had a traditional medical curriculum, which used to be two years of non-clinical work followed by two years of clinical training. There was many reasons as to why we wanted to change the curriculum, but it was mostly because the description of what a physician does will continue to change. What doctoring really is, is interacting with people and providing that knowledge and applying that knowledge to the health benefit of individuals and communities. But as part of that change, we felt as though understanding inquiry, be it scientific inquiry or any kind of scholarly pursuit that could be within the humanities, was an important skill. And we also felt that students needed to use the tools of humanism to understand the human condition uh, and therefore put the scientific and medical training in that context. There are real-world situations that necessitate being more present in some very challenging scenarios. That wherewithal may not come naturally to some. Physicians are asked to go into situations that may be quite new and unexpected and are filled with ambiguity and are stressful. Uh, and physicians are expected to have a lead and a presence in that situation. And that doesn't come naturally. And it doesn't come from strict scientific training. It comes from having a deep understanding and compassion for what it is to be alive and, and how humans interact with each other and family dynamics and different cultures. And that's easy to talk about and easy to touch upon lightly, but in order to make that a, a true part of the training, it needs to be incorporated into the curriculum at the ground floor. So make it a new curriculum gave us this immense opportunity to truly integrate this kind of training into the um, education of our, of our medical students. When Voller assumed her current role, the college was actively implementing these curricular changes. That offered her a unique entrance and perspective. What was really cool for me when I got here to Jefferson six years ago was that the leadership at SKMC had already decided that this was a critical component of medical education. And that's a decision that has not been made with that kind of boldness at medical schools nationwide. Jefferson's not the only player on the landscape, but Jefferson made a profound investment in the medical humanities. And I think one that's really inspiring and that investment at the leadership level was key to creating space and time in the curriculum. 
and also to setting a tone that students have taken up, which is real enthusiasm for this and really valuing it as part of their experience while they're here at SKMC. Careful not to overstate the importance of elective courses that only make up a tiny portion of students' overall academic calendars, it's really about planting intellectual seeds. There's limits to the kind of change that these experiences can catalyze for folks. It's the beginning of a process, we hope, or the maintenance of a certain kind of process. At least three things are happening in a arts and humanities-based learning space, and that is often the kind of acquisition and strengthening of skills that have to do with observation and critical thinking broadly. So looking closely, listening, empathy in terms of the cognitive exercise of perspective taking. And then really closely coupled with that are things related to emotional intelligence, understanding your own feelings and also being able to have some purchase on what others are feeling. And then that piece that Steve was talking about, understanding societal contexts for health and well-being, understanding histories of healthcare and social and cultural histories that are informing the lives of people who are coming into healthcare environments, including practitioners themselves. Students have clearly taken to these offerings. I think one of our concerns in making a new curriculum was, is this going to be seen as a burden? Is it second fiddle to the more important stuff? And the reality is the students overwhelmingly have embraced this as a really important part of their education, or at least something that's other and valuable and affirming. Sometimes you don't have the metacognition of, of understanding how that's producing your persona as a clinician while it's happening, that's okay. They're still engaging. We, we offer a slate of 20 to 24 of these humanities selective courses every academic year. A lot of them I would like to point out have been informed by student suggestion and feedback over the years. A lot of our courses are intended to be immersive and experiential so that you're not just experiencing book learning, although we're you know big fans of book learning, so to speak, but you're actually doing things like you're going to the art museum and you're having challenging conversations about works of art that make you look more closely and question how you're drawing conclusions and reasoning through situations that you're observing. It's immersive group drumming led by a percussionist our amazing artist-in-residence, Josh Robinson, who specializes in drumming with folks who have had deep experiences of grief and trauma. And in those workshops, students are learning you know, how to collaborate to make sound, how to support each other as part of small teams, and also to take care of themselves by using the arts and humanities to keep connected with who they are and why they wanted to become healthcare practitioners. I wonder how much of it is it's a nice break from that book learning, even if they don't realize what they may be getting out of it at that point. It's a nice change of pace. We hear that a lot. A comment that I see often on student evaluations is, at the beginning of the semester, I thought that I would resent the time that I had to spend drumming or going to the art museum, and by the end I realized that this was so important for sustaining my energy and my passion for school. That's got to be rewarding. It's absolutely rewarding, and our students are what make me really excited to do my job. First of all, they're brilliant. They're incredibly intelligent and very dynamic thinkers. They want to make the world a better place, and they're at a really important point in their lives. This intensive period of professionalization, it's really rewarding to be part of that in some small way. That's such a great point, and so many of us here are energized over and over again by seeing the students come through the curriculum, even the old curriculum. Just there's something about education, which is extremely rewarding in that way, and these are very highly functional students, but it's difficult. It's a personal transition from a really good student to a caregiver, to a healer, to a physician. It's a major transition, and we're much more 
purposeful in understanding those aspects. It, it's six years old, so it predates the merger. What did access to a whole other university offer? From the level of administration, the leadership of the university, the coming together of the deans, trying to understand the cultures between the two campuses was an amazing exercise. There's great people that came together and had to forge an identity together. And that alone, I think, made us think about many of these aspects of interaction, listening, cooperation. And then leadership, of course, wanted us to do this, and Dr. Tikachinsky has been very supportive of this. That gave us the green light to continue this. It's presented an incredible opportunity to collaborate with colleagues and to really to leverage their areas of expertise, which might not be explicitly health-related, but are often very profitably put in conversation with our programs. Where we've experienced some of the most exciting successes is in our extracurricular space, where we're constantly generating and offering these campus events, which sometimes are also open to the public. The Jefferson Humanities Forum is a great example of that. That's a series of five lectures across the academic year. What we've done is we've paired a kind of luminary visiting speaker with someone who we call a forum scholar. And that forum scholar has often been an East Falls faculty member. We've had all kinds of collaborations in that space that have been really exciting. We had to ask what the most popular tracks are that they've seen students drawn to. Some of our most popular selectives include Medical Sine Forum. I want to give a nod to my colleague Sal Mangione, one of the people who has really been agitating for more medical humanities at Jefferson for a, a long time. And he has done a lot of that work himself, leading a couple of our humanities selectives. Medical Sine Forum is taught by Dr. Mangione. It attracts an excited group of students every year. They meet in a, a group of about 20 students, gets to watch films with Dr. Mangione, and then talk about how physicians are depicted in those films and what those films say about the social role of the physician, social and personal experiences of illness and healing. And they just have these wonderful in-depth conversations and sometimes debates about the meanings of these movies. It's fun, it's also rigorous and rich, and I think it combines the sort of the best of all that we do. Another popular one that's new is Food as Medicine with Vetri Community Partnership. That is limited to, to 16 students, as it's a hot ticket to get into this class, and they do hands-on cooking and nutritional planning in a way that's connected to the curriculum. So they might have a, a module on cancer and nutrition at the same time that they're uh, completing the oncology block in the curriculum. Dr. Heron spoke from personal experience in discussing these offerings. Well, at least one of them. I personally took a drawing course with Julia Clift years ago. I can't draw. <laughs> I, I learned some skills, but the experience of understanding contour and line and shade and the shared experience I had with the students during those sessions really affected me. You're raising a point which is really interesting. Students often tell us that the humanities selectives are one of the few contexts where they feel like they can be themselves in a way that maybe they can't when they're worried a little bit more in other contexts about mm -hmm being on the top of their game academically, so to speak. When you're in a room with 20 people drumming and, and you've never done that before and you're all kind of making fools of yourself on some level and bonding and having fun and leaving with a smile Absolutely. on your face, that is a particularly low pressure environment. If someone were to walk up to me saying, hey, I'm trying to choose medical schools, what can you tell me about SKMC that makes it the place I should pick through the prism of what these unique offerings bring to the table. What would my elevator pitch 
sound like. As a graduate uh, and as a lifer, as we call it around here, I've planted my flag firmly so I can say this with real passion. This is a place that teaches individuals how to become physicians in the richest manner of the word, how to provide superior clinical care that goes beyond the scientific underpinnings of medicine. It's, we produce really wonderful physicians. We have to always be improving our game on how we do that. And we realized to such an extent that we undertook a, a massive and expensive undertaking to revise our curriculum, we knew we had to do it a little bit differently or a lot differently. And humanities is at the core of that. We produce superior clinicians out of this institution. That's our long history, almost 200 years now. And we stand by that and we value that very dearly. And I think that's allowed us the latitude and the creativity to change it up a bit. I'm not a physician. I'm a historian of contemporary art and a former museum curator. Something that I hear from students is that they feel that they can be their whole selves at Jefferson. A lot of our students feel cared for while they're here. And the reason that strikes me as so important is I think that kind of feeling being part of your training is part of what enables you to give that back to other people when you are becoming a provider of care as a professional. In my mind, you can't go through medical school if it's an entirely a draining, dehumanizing experience and somehow come out an empathic clinician at the end. Did you think it would look like this six years ago? I mean, I, I knew that there was Philadelphia University. I knew there was textile and design. I, I knew of those from the sort of a Philadelphia history standpoint, but I didn't know a lot about the school. The first visit to East Falls was a bit of a revelation as to what was there, and the idea of bringing them together at the time seemed pretty wacky. I think it now seems visionary. It was to think way outside the box, to imagine that these two campuses and two institutions could cohabitate and come together in productive ways. But I think we're just at the beginning, and what's been done so far is really exciting and, and points to where we might be headed, and I'm really hopeful about that. Jeff MD has shined brightly in terms of students boldly trying to make a difference in the world. To that end, we spoke with a recent graduate about the scholarly inquiry track upon which she walked, and to a current student about the one upon which he's hoping to soon embark. We will start with the latter. My name is Benjamin Fleet. I'm a third year medical student at the Sydney Kimmel Medical College. My project that I'm hoping to work on is an abstract piece that explores the current thoughts and feelings of healthcare workers at Jefferson Hospitals. Benjamin shares that the concept comes from something called a pulse check, which he learned about during his gap year with AmeriCorps. A practice where you all meet together and I'll talk about how you're feeling about the current state of your work. What I would hope to do is get a pulse check of Thomas Jefferson employees, nurses, physicians, respiratory therapists, anyone who is involved in healthcare, and have the opportunity to see how they're doing in a particular day or in a particular week. And from there, create two abstract pieces based on how many responses I get. One canvas for people who are having a bad day, one canvas for people who are having a good day, and hoping to use painting techniques that really express those emotions that kind of go along with each of those feelings, good and bad. So for those having a bad day, I would use like a Picasso method and splatter paint for every comment that represents someone having a bad day. And with the other canvas, taking a more modern approach and creating a nice neat square for everyone that has said they're having a good day at the hospital. I just want to take an opportunity to highlight how people are feeling and 
show the world where healthcare workers stand today. What about the merger has made this sort of pursuit more available to you? I've had amazing opportunities through Megan and through the humanities department in medical school. They give us a lot of different avenues to explore that. And so one of those avenues is through the humanities. I was an artist in my past life. I still consider myself an artist, but in my younger days, I was very involved in arts and it still makes up a huge portion of my life. The ability to explore humanities in a scholarly way was actually one of the main reasons I wanted to come to Jefferson for medical school. And I've gotten great opportunities through my first two years to create projects that are a little less classically academic, classically scientific, and are more exploring the human and humanity side of medicine, which I think is a very awesome and important part of the profession. Always grounds me back in my empathetic core. If I was feeling very burnt out or jaded about something, it always reminds me to keep that empathy and reminds me why I wanted to do this. Benjamin now walks on a scholarly inquiry path already proven to have had an effect on alumni's lives. My name is Brittany File, and I graduated from Sydney Kimmel Medical College at Thomas Jefferson this year. I am pursuing an OBGYN residency at the University of California, Irvine. Talk to me about how humanities played into your education. The humanities for me have always been something central to who I am, and I think really central to why I wanted to pursue a medical career. The scholarly inquiry track at Jefferson was something that stood out to me just in researching medical schools because it was almost like a provided opportunity to remember every day why you chose medicine. I knew that I'd have this opportunity to do something strictly outside of studying in medicine and really connect with patients. That was something that was really important to me. Can you please take me through the project that you undertook with the humanities in mind? In college at Emory University, I worked in a research lab that studied the neurodegenerative environment in ALS and Lou Gehrig's disease. When I first came into medical school and in college, I was really interested in neurology specifically. I thought neurodegenerative disease was very complex. I thought there was a huge opportunity for innovation and research. And I met a mentor who studied ALS without me knowing a lot about it. Besides that, creative writing was something that I've always used as a stress release. I've just used this as an opportunity to reflect on what's troubling me or things that I'm really happy about. So when I came into medical school and knew about this humanities track, it was natural to marry those two things that I was passionate about. I wanted to embark on a project writing poetry inspired by patient stories. And so I became connected with the Jefferson Weinberg ALS Center. I thought initially I was like, oh, I'll write a couple poems. I'll see where it goes. And eventually ended up with this wonderful book of poetry. I interviewed 20 patients at the Jefferson Weinberg ALS Center in total. And there's 20 poems in the book inspired by those stories that I heard. And then also incorporated provider interviews throughout the book. Name recognition alone, people might hear Lou Gehrig's and they think of the ALS ice bucket challenge, or maybe they have a relative, or maybe they just know it's a really ruthless disease. And so I wanted to give more context. I wanted to connect our humanity, our empathy, and really drive that home. When you read some of these stories, when you really get to know how these patients are adapting and changing and affected by this, it should draw at your heartstrings. Do you think you would have had the opportunity to do this had you gone to another school? I'm not sure that I would have, especially knowing some friends that go to different medical schools and just knowing what the curriculum entails. 
I think we are still so strongly encouraged to pursue traditional research. I think traditional research is great. I think you learn a lot from it, but you know, there's something really beautiful and wonderful about an opportunity to pursue non-traditional research without the encouragement from the Jefferson Humanities Department, who was critical in this project, Jefferson faculty and mentors who pushed the curriculum itself. I don't think that it would have been something, number one, that I would have thought to do. And number two, would have had the time to do. And number three, the resources to accomplish it. What tips would you give incoming students on how to approach the humanities track? I love this question, actually. Jefferson does a track fair for first year students that are coming in that have maybe never heard of a humanities track or a medical education track or public health or these different tracks that Jefferson offers. I've had students come up to me being like, I love to write or I love to play music, but how is that research? Or like, how do I get this okayed by the department? How do I accomplish this? My response to them is usually something like, this is non-traditional research. You don't have to have the analytical output that you would from bench research. It's not this many people answered on this scale that they were emotionally touched by this project. That's not the output of this. The research that goes into this or the output is how can we better understand ALS? How can we teach the community about ALS? This book is really the product or the output. So it's almost like redefining people's frames of mind of what number one is considered research. And number two, I would encourage people to pursue something like this because of all the things that medical school is going to require you to do, you're probably going to pursue research anyway. So with the required time that you have, why not choose something that is almost a hobby or a blessing to do on the side and make that something that is required of you to do in medical school, because you're going to be stretched and you're going to be pushed and medical school is tough. So if there's some part of your day where Jefferson is saying these two hours or these three hours, we want you to meet with the humanities department or we want you to meet with your track and come up with a project or talk to your peers and ask critical questions or figure out how to frame your project. Why not do that in the humanities? Why not stretch your mind outside of medicine specifically and just incorporate humanity into it. It's a favor to yourself to distinguish yourself and really just connect to your empathy. To learn more about this and other Jefferson stories, please visit jefferson.edu backslash the nexus. Today's interviews were conducted by Brian Hickey with production support from Dan Bernstein. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.